Welcome to the Belmont Story Project. I'm Joanna Juvelis, Senior Multimedia Journalist of the Belmont Citizen Herald and Wicked Local Belmont. Today is July 11th, 2018, and I'm conducting this interview in the Claflin Room at the Belmont Public Library. And today's guest is Anne Cavino-Goldenberg. Anne has lived in Belmont since 1956. She raised her two daughters here with her husband, Daniel. But Anne is actually originally from Everett. Her parents, immigrants from the province of Avellino near Naples, Italy, had six children. They always wanted to move back to Italy and never became quite Americanized, which, according to Anne, made growing up very difficult for her and her siblings. But... With the encouragement of teachers and mentors, Anne worked her way through four years at Boston University. She was the first member of her family to get a bachelor's degree. She became a teacher at Sandwich High School in Cape Cod and later moved on to a position with the Bridgeport YWCA where she met her husband, Dan. When she started a family, Anne became a full-time mother but was still involved in the League of Women Voters, the PTA, the Boston YWCA, and she also became a big sister. One afternoon, she received a call from the American Friends Service Committee asking if she would help start a fair housing committee. And from there, she helped found the Belmont Fair Housing Committee. In 1964, Anne began pursuing her master's degree at Boston University in social work, and she had a field placement with the Roxbury Multi-Service Center. This experience helped her become familiar with community needs. Anne was also employed for the United Way of Metro Boston for 35 years, and there's so much more about this woman. Welcome, Anne. So happy to have you here. Thank you. First, first Anne, I'd like to start with some questions about you're 62 years in this wonderful town of Belmont. Tell me, what do you like about living in Belmont? Well, I like the way it has developed over the 62 years. When we first moved here, it was not a very friendly place. Really? Very conservative. In fact, one of our neighbors who was Jewish thought we were and came and greeted us and said when she had moved in to the neighborhood, the neighbors had to take a vote to let her in. That's how limited it was. The town leadership was very conservative. Mm -hmm. There were not all the committees we have evolved over the years. So it's been interesting to see it evolve and develop with the effort of so many organizations. Mm -hmm. I ran into a member of a bar, Belmont Against Racism, mm -hmm. the other day, and we shared these feelings of how all of our hard work paid off. But it took a lot of organizations, a lot of people, and a lot of energy. But now I find Belmont a very comfortable place to live. Do you think there's still change that's needed in Belmont? 
you, you know, progress has been made? Or do you think more progress needs to be made? Well, there's always need for progress because, of course, we still don't have enough affordable housing to meet the 10% standard the state has set, although it has improved from 2.5% to, I think now it's over 5%. And, of course, I don't think we're as diverse as we could be. Mitco parents, every year at the breakfast we have for Martin Luther King Day, they say they would love to live in Belmont. But the cost is an issue. So true. Yeah. Yes. So how did you get involved with all these organizations that you're involved with um, that were related to fair housing? What, what would you say inspired you? Like, how did you become who you are? You, I mean, you wanted to get your master's degree in social work. What drove you to want to help others so much, especially others who were discriminated against? Well, it's partly that I didn't have such a comfortable childhood. And also, I was surprised when I left Everett at the extent of segregation in Greater Boston, because Everett was remarkable in that black people were distributed all over. They weren't in ghettos. We had one three-decker on Pearl Street near our three-decker with black family. The streets on both sides, the same. And when I went to high school, there were black people from other parts of the town. So that was a good feeling. But then I discovered in my later studies and jobs the discrimination against blacks. And incidentally, as I read these reports, I see that we use the word Negroes in those years. And I don't know when we made the transition to blacks, but that's a change in and of itself. Well, there is, there still is discrimination today, unfortunately, I yes, know. Yes, of course. Tell me, in case someone is, isn't clear on what fair housing is about, can you tell me in your own words what the goals were of your, you know, your fair housing committee and what minorities were facing back then? Well, of course, the focus is on the discrimination principally against blacks, which is the worst. For example, in Belmont, we have quite a few Oriental groups. There are three Chinese families on my short block, and they're all over town. I wish that were the case for black people. When we first formed the committee, a black woman of great stature, Anna Faith Jones, who ran a, a charity in Boston, moved to Belmont. Mm -hmm. And she encountered hostility from her neighbors. Fortunately, there were a few neighbors who were very receptive and kind to her. And the police department were superb in monitoring her street, driving up and down to make sure there were no incidents. Mm -hmm. But the, it was so uncomfortable for her otherwise that she left. Oh. So we lost our first black family. That is, yeah. I'm sad to hear that. Can you tell me about some of the things that the Fair Housing Committee did, like your, your challenges, your successes, you know, accomplishments that you're proud of? 
did I tell you how we got a call from a friend service committee no, uh, way me. back mm -hmm. in uh, July 13th, 1960, a woman named Gita Meyer, who had been referred by Mary Berger of the American Friends Service Committee, called us to ask if we would start a, a committee in Belmont to deal with discrimination. We held our first meeting in January 1960 with a very few people who came. Mm -hmm. But by the second meeting in May, more attended and they agreed to try to explore the concept. In July, we had more people, including clergymen and all the temple and all the churches. On March 23rd, 62, we had a panel presentation with 350 members by that time. You're kidding Which me. was a real wow. growth. All people from Belmont? This was in Belmont. In nice. fact, what, what also was evolving at the same time that we were developing was a series of committees in other communities mm -hmm. that, that were same kind of committee. Mm -hmm. And I have a whole file on the Fair Housing Federation. Here it is. Fair yeah. Housing Federation. Yep. That's a big, fat file. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they, and there were at least 25 communities. And we found, I found myself going to meetings, not only in Belmont, but to all these surrounding towns. And it was, that was a very exciting development. I would say so. So, I mean, yeah. you, you, you did a lot. You really did oh, a lot. It did, we did accomplish quite a bit. To me, it was exciting to see that a concept was alive in all these communities. Yeah. So we worked on the same kinds of issues. What would you say you accomplished? Like, tell me about some of your major, major accomplishments um, to help people like that woman and uh, not be discriminated against. Well, I do think uh, Connie and... Uh, what's her husband's name? Williams. When they moved to Belmont, mm -hmm. they were able to find housing, mm -hmm. and they are still living there. Although oh, Connie described an experience her husband, who was a professor at Harvard, had one day when he went to town hall mm -hmm. to register for something, mm -hmm. and he was dressed in his business suit, and the person behind the desk called and said to somebody, hey, the janitor is here. Oh, no. That was, uh, that was an example of bias. People yes. just assuming that black skin defined an inferior occupation. I know, I know. So. It is unfortunate that it still exists today. I mean, discrimination. Uh, yes, some, but not as bad as that. I don't think you'd run into such blatant examples. What do you think has, has changed about why do you think people are being less prejudiced? Do you think it's because of groups like you that I have think helped? that we made a dent, but also as people get more educated all over, as education mm -hmm. increases that helps. And we are also, we travel more among cities and different parts of the country and the world. 
so it opens your eyes to things. Did you help get the METCO program uh, started in Belmont? Uh, we did. You um, did. That's great because that's that's a wonderful thing to yeah, help uh, with diversity in the schools. One of the things I wanted to talk about was the we had a summer program, Belmont Roxbury summer program. Oh, really? Three days a week, kids from Belmont and from Roxbury visited each other's playgrounds. A woman who lived across from the Winbrook School where the kids met, she gave did a cookout uh, for them every once a week. Oh, that's nice. Another woman who lived a block away had a swimming pool, invited the kids to swim there. Oh, that's really nice. And one year we had a, a Belmont-Roxbury dinner at the Winbrook School cafeteria. Mm-hmm. So... We did so many kinds of events that sort of changed things. And as I say, our membership grew and more and more people accepted it. Mm -hmm. The difference, when we first started, Mm -hmm. and my daughters were still, let's see, 1961, Laura was born in 52, so she was nine, and Lisa was six. Mm We would get hate calls. Oh, really? And the, the girls would pick up the phone, and we were very concerned about that. Who, who was calling? We didn't know, although I did recognize the voice of some young men who lived down the corner who were obnoxious anyway, in other ways. It, that gradually stopped, but that was a symptom of the times. Mm-hmm. I yeah. don't think that would happen now. Do you, this organization that you started, where you know you would uh, visit each other's parks, Roxbury and Belmont, did that go on for quite a few years? No, it. Uh, we did it one year. One of the things was that when I started going to school of social work and trying to be a mother of my two daughters, my husband traveled a lot for his work. Mm-hmm. I didn't have as much time to go to as many meetings, yeah. although, although I do find in some references, meeting, study, juggling them all in an evening or Saturday, and so forth. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was hard. When did you, you worked for the United Way for 35 years, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, what was great was I had majored in community organizing mm-hmm. and group work rather than individual counseling. Yeah. And I always liked community relations, mm-hmm. and, which yeah. I had done before. Mm-hmm. Well, I was able to do that because my job was running the information and referral service where people from all over who had problems with individuals themselves or friends or family or agencies would call us and say, we have a person here who is in desperate need of help with rent or with heating Mm -hmm. or uh, some other problem. And so we developed a list of the kinds of basic need services that we shared, and then we developed an organization with a lot of other agencies, and we met to discuss these issues Mm 
-hmm. and would invite to these meetings the official from the state who covered whether it was housing or what. And afterwards, they, they would say to us, we've learned more from you because we were on the front lines, mm -hmm. whereas they were sort of removed in their offices. What is the special fund that you helped start? Well, because of all of these calls, we found that, you know, we kept track of what the needs were and the financial, basic financial needs were urgent. So the United Way already spending so much money for so many agencies and they could give us a small pot of money. But then it was interesting. One day, a local person, Fred Paulson, oh, whom yes. I very much admired, yeah. and I were riding on the subway together into work. Mm -hmm. And I told him about the problems we were having because at that time, he was working for a foundation. And I said to him, we're struggling. And he said, and why don't we have a meeting with different foundations and if they all get together and agree to put a certain amount of money into the pot, we'll call that the special fund. Oh, wow. So it grew from a small amount to a considerable one. I have files and files on that, but over the years, we've served a lot of people and again, we networked with other agencies, with other information services. In fact, we formed a national organization of information and referral services that United Ways Across America ran. Mm -hmm. And we had conferences and learned from one another. So it was really? a very enriching experience yeah, for me. That's so great. Now, the, the Belmont Fair Housing Committee, does it still exist today? Is it called something else? Has it evolved? It's into called, uh, it, it evolved into the Housing Trust. Oh, it did. That's right. Yeah. That's great. And uh, are you still involved with it? I go to their meetings. I get, I get their mailings. But I don't go as often as I used to. No. Judy Fines, who chairs it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We've become close friends, and oh, I have nice. faith that she knows the directions to take it. We helped. We tried to get funding from the Community Preservation Act. Yeah. That's another piece of work that I was involved in, thanks to Judy. Mm -hmm. When I was on the board of the United Way, I said, we're having problems getting help with funding, and she said, have you heard about the Community Preservation Act? Mm -hmm. Well, I looked into it, and the league decided to study the program. Mm -hmm. And Fred Paulson and his wife were very involved. Anne was a legislator at the time. Yes. And we struggled to get it accepted in Belmont. We did a lot of lobbying. We did handing out brochures. Mm -hmm. Uh, trying to meet with agencies, and when it passed, it passed by a slim margin, but it did pass. It did pass. And Fred said, Anne, without the league, it would not probably have passed, which was gratifying. But mm -hmm. gratifying over the years is what it's been used for. Mm -hmm. 
we would never have that rebuilt Higginbottom pool mm-hmm. without the funding from that because the cost was tremendous. Oh, the Underwood pool, yes. I agree. I agree. I wrote a letter to the editor about that once. You did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're still very active in the League of Women Voters. You're a town meeting member, right? And you're also still involved in the Housing Trust. Is, and somewhat you, following You ever have time them. to just relax? <laughs> well, that becomes more of an issue mm-hmm. as I age. Mm-hmm. I do need to rest right. more. It is good that you stay active, though. It really is. Oh, yeah. You know? And the other thing I do is I take classes at the Harvard Institute for Learning and Retirement. Oh, you do? That's so great. And that gives me some mental stimulation during the year. It also helps me with feeling lonely because as you age, you're a widow, your children have moved out, and your friends begin to die. Almost all of my friends have died. So I need the social stimulation of some sort of peers. So where are your daughters now? Where do your daughters live? Well, one daughter lives in Bedford. Laura, oh, that's, and she, that's not too far. That's good. Laura, and she was very active in the League of Women Voters. And she ran for selectmen and ran two terms. Really? Had two children, both of whom are married and one lives locally and the other in Nashville, Tennessee. Oh, wow. My other daughter has had a very different life. Mm-hmm. She is called a trapiantata, a transplant, ah. in an article written about her in the paper in Florence. Oh, wow. She went to Smith College to major in sculpture. She was good at sculpture. Mm-hmm. And her junior year, she decided to go to Italy to practice sculpture. Back to her roots. She she saw what was there and said, no way can I match that. So she became an art historian. Mm-hmm. And then she met Federico Stopato. So she barely came back to study for her senior year. <laughs> and... They have, their wedding was in Italy, and oh, that's so, so nice. she's been the transplant, La Trapiantata, ever since. And she's be- become quite a name in the field of research of art. She gets requests wow. from all over the world because of wow. some of her experiences that she's had there. And she's still there? She's still there very much. Uh, she comes to visit I used to go there every other year, and they would come here. And she has a daughter who is about to be be a mother, who's 35. That's wonderful. So So I will have my first great-grandchild, but in Italy. (laughs) That is wonderful. Wow. So you see you're a grandmother, and you're going to be a great-grandmother. That is wonderful. Tell me, my my final question, well, see if we have time for two more. How would you like to be remembered in Belmont? As friendly and caring, committed to important issues, a good neighbor. 
I brought with me some clippings from articles you wrote about the kids graduating in their diversity just to see that that has changed and that we have much more diversity now is, is something I feel, well, maybe it made a little dent in that. Mm-hmm. What, are you, what are your hopes for the future of Belmont? I hope it keeps, I hope it, it makes it more friendly for, to have affordable housing up to 10% to welcome more black people, to keep being open-minded, available to the world, to all the issues that are important. We now have excellent leadership in the Board of Selectmen. For years, the planning board was almost unapproachable when we would talk to them about issues like housing. But now we have a committee a planning committee that is very responsive and caring about these issues. So I hope that goes on, keeps going on. Well, Anne, I can't say how honored I am to have you on this story project, really. It's been an honor to have you. I think you're an amazing woman. I really look up to you. I really do. So thank you for coming on the Belmont Story Project. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And I hope that if you know anybody who you think has interesting stories to share about Belmont and its history, please email me at belmont at wickedlocal.com, and we can schedule your interview for the next story project.